0: Welcome to Stories That Stick, a podcast series about the stories that shape us.
1: I didn't care whether they thought I was cool or not, because that's my own thing. I just wanted them to not be mean.
0: Hey guys, it's Ade here, your host for Stories That Stick. Welcome back for those who are regular listeners and welcome to brand new listeners. In today's episode, we have Charlotte, Charlotte Williams, who is the founder of an influencer marketing agency called 76, which fundamentally caters for the Bain community and those who identify as people of color. And they can be found at 76 so the word, not the number 76 agency. So she joins us remotely where she discusses how she started up the agency. But because it is stories that stick, we are trying to find out the stories that made an impact on her life to become the amazing woman she is today. That being said, do subscribe, do follow us as well on Ticulate across the board because it helps us grow. Now, do get comfortable and hope you enjoy today's episode. And if not, let us know. First and foremost, welcome, Charlotte. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, what I tend to do with all my guests is I tend to start with the subject of death. So, how do you feel about
1: that? I don't think I think about it.
0: Oh, okay, you don't?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> I do think of myself as young and invincible. And do you know, people are like, live life to the fullest because you never know what's going to happen. I definitely don't do that. And I think it's because I'm not thinking of the bigger picture. I'm thinking of, well, I'm going to live forever and I need to make sure that I uh, do all my work and get where I need to be.
0: Interesting, because often the work that some of us do is to leave a legacy and have a lasting impact. And you certainly fall within that category. Am I wrong in saying this?
1: Um, Do you know what? I don't think it's... My personal legacy that I want to leave because it might not seem like it, but I don't actually like being in the limelight, but I think it's just, I want to create change, whether that's through me or or not.
0: So actually let's go through that journey and figure out how you are the founder of 7.6 Agency and the lasting change and impact you want to create within the advertising industry, shall we?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: the first chapter is zero to ten who was charlotte like she was who was little charlotte growing up help us out paint some pictures
1: so i'm one of four i've got two brothers one older one younger and then a younger sister my parents and my whole family are from west london but my parents moved to hertfordshire just before i was born to have a better life and not live in london and all of that fun stuff (laughs) so my upbringing was in a small town um one of very few black families well mixed family my mum is white my dad's black um mixed families in the area
0: how was that for you do
1: you know what my parents are so resilient and just so relaxed my dad in particular because obviously he would be more affected but he's just so so chilled and just gets on with it so i don't think we noticed for a really long time I think until I went to senior school, I don't think I noticed at all.
0: You never felt or saw your race being a marker of your identity?
1: No, I really didn't. There were a few people in my primary school that um, I looked like. Uh, There wasn't really a thing about race until I went to senior school. Um, But I went to this primary school with Anthony Joshua, so I don't know if he has a different story being a, a guy.
0: Uh, I should get him on <laughs> yeah ask him
1: yeah because we grew up in the same place and it was it was just very white but we didn't No, nothing was ever in my eyes I think maybe I've always been a bit blind to things like that I just kind of get on with things cause how my parents have kind of raised raised us all so that was all fine and then yeah when I went to senior school it kind of changed
0: okay well we're still in this decade before we go into the senior school and things drastically have changed but What were your fun memories growing up?
1: Oh, so many.
0: Okay. We used
1: to go on the most amazing holidays, and my dad used to, like, take us on these, like, weird trips with his work. He used to work for John Lewis, and they were really family-orientated, and we'd just end up in, like, the most random places um, with his work. And I'd spend a lot of time with my, my nan, and I'd always ask to go and spend time just with my aunt and my cousin, Um, I think they were two black women. I didn't really have that outside of them. So I think I really enjoyed just being with two women that looked like me.
0: Interesting. So you knew that at a time that there was a difference?
1: I don't think I knew. But looking back, there was something that drew me to it. Mm. But obviously, I loved my aunt as a young kid and my cousin was so cool because she's 10 years older than me so she was just really really pretty she was actually really hot the kind of girl that you'd walk down the street and guys would like crank their necks to look at and I remember vividly being as young a preteen and a teenager going into London with her and just being like whoa I hope I'm like that when I'm older but we had very different body shapes and were very different, so I think she got a lot more than I, I did.
0: I'd hope so as well, considering we're still zero to ten, I would hope that <laughs> odds 10.
1: Thinking forward.
0: So your dad worked for John Lewis.
1: Yeah.
0: What was he doing, do you mind me asking?
1: He um, he was a logistics manager, so he, he did like logistics, I guess, and all the transport for their deliveries and stuff. He kind of headed that. Um, but we didn't really know what he did at the time. He, we just knew that he worked in London...
0: I think that's always the case with parents. right? Yeah. I know they work, but what exactly do they do?
1: Yeah, my mum was a childminder, so that was an easy one. She was actually the go-to in the area, Um, very popular childminder. Um, yeah, she was always at home, always with us. And then, yeah, my dad was always at work, and I'd see him at like 7, 8 when he'd come home. But we'd have the weekends, and he was really hands-on with my brothers because he was really sporty.
0: Were you sporty?
1: no not at all (laughs) I am so far my dad I remember once I was playing football I got forced into doing a football match and I was just I really didn't want to do it and my friend Bethan at the time was super sporty and like really good at football and he was just like play more like a boy or something play like Bethan and I was like what and he, I was like, Bethan's a girl, and he was like, yeah, but she plays properly. Like you're playing like a girl. I was like, oh wow. Looking back, not not great for like gender gender bias, dad. But I get, I got what he meant. He was just like, girls could do it as well. Like why can't you kick a ball? But I've just never been interested in sport. It's just I don't know why. It's just never been a thing, which is quite funny because everyone else in my family love football.
0: So whilst they were doing that, what were you up to?
1: God knows. I was just like singing in my bedroom. I think I really loved, when I was young, Monica and Brandy, the boy is mine. That song got sung a lot.
0: (laughs) So I'm now starting to really paint my picture and correct me if I am wrong. It sounds like childhood was great in Hertfordshire. In hindsight, you knew you were different, but you couldn't specifically explain or it never even really occurred to you as that to be an issue.
1: Yeah. Because it never was. Things may have happened, but I wasn't privy to them. My mum has said stories in the past where she said one time she was at market and this old white lady popped her bag on my head or something. But I don't, I actually, I don't remember it. I don't, I think I I kind of like block anything negative out maybe.
0: Why did your mum tell that story?
1: She was telling it to someone as an example of stupidness that happens.
0: (laughs) So what I tend to do with all my guests is just send them a very brief questionnaire about a fun story they've read, heard or watched as a child, a teenager or adult. Do you recall what you wrote?
1: Yeah, I wrote Elmer the Elephant. I remember moving schools because we moved house and I walked into the first class. There was once a herd of elephants. And I sat down elephants and the teacher young, was reading Elmer the Elephant to the students. And it was talking about tall, this elephant tall, that was different, but tall, still tall, grey and had its own differences that made grey, him special. Different. And but all I think I still didn't get the
0: same color.
1: what my issue was, all but is the message really hit me. And I was down. like, this elephant sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you felt the elephant was you.
1: But I don't think I realised at the time
0: but it was. Elmer the Patchwork Elephant. Yeah. And is that like a children's book series, is it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you not
1: read Elmer? I am not. It's a classic.
0: I feel like you've dragged me there. It's a
1: classic.
0: So the following decade, 11 to 20, this is where identity really starts taking shape, right? Yeah. Let's go into your second chapter, which is 11 to 20. So Charlotte, (laughs) the floor is yours. Tell us about Charlotte going through this decade. What was life like? What was going on?
1: Yeah, so I feel like we need to split this into two, maybe even three. Okay. So (laughs) I went to senior school and... Just, yeah, just like living a normal life, made some friends. Some of them were a bit geeky, some of them were just like normal people. And then I remember vividly in drama class, I started talking to this girl and it was a bit of a mean girl situation, I don't know if you've seen the film, but it was just like, oh, you should join our group. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I just became friends with this popular group for the rest of my school days.
0: How old were we by the way when you're talking? So that
1: would have been 12?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So 12 to 16. Um it was it was a confusing time. I thought I loved school, but if I really look back, it was actually quite difficult. I think when it comes to race, when you're when you're mixed, when you're brought up in a an area that's kind of one-sided and I think it's a bit confusing and you kind of just get on with things without questioning. And then when you look back, you're like, oh, that wasn't quite right. (laughs) Mm. So that's I think that's the kind of how I felt. So I was kind of adopted into this group. I was kind of a bit of a a doll for one of the girls. She used to like straighten my hair and put my makeup on and dress me up and I loved it. And then everything was great. But the only problem I had was the boys in the group hated me for like no reason They just had this hatred towards me. There was a couple of boys in particular, and they made me feel so uncomfortable throughout my whole time in lower school. And it was frustrating, because they were so nice to the other girls. And I'd always get like, oh, you know, sorry, um, you're lovely, but I don't date black girls, or whatever, like things like that would always come up. And I kind of blocked that out, because you kind of just have to get on with things.
0: You've used that word or that line quite a few times throughout our conversation where we just had to get on with it.
1: I think that's my dad. Okay. That's the older generation, the older black generation. That's how they deal with things. You just get on with it. Do
0: you do you think there's merit in that? Considering what it is you do now, I don't think you do.
1: No, I think maybe at the time it was needed because, you know, what else could you do? Things, you know, in 2000, when was this, Two thousand one like it was very different now to what things are now in 2020
0: right so when those sort of conversations particularly around attractiveness did you ever take that back home what was how did you navigate that space
1: no i i did i don't think i did but there's always been this thing where they would say that and i'd just be like you're stupid because i'm really pretty
0: okay okay good on you (laughs) but
1: it obviously has instilled a sense of um I definitely have issues with how I I view myself and that's as an adult that's become really apparent but I knew outside of that school that I was attractive because other people thought I was pretty right just not these guys
0: and that had a huge impact potentially still resonates into your adulthood
1: (laughs) it shouldn't really
0: no i mean this is it's ongoing this is life and unfortunately as well the way society teaches women about their value or their status tends to correlate to their aesthetics which is a shame that being said was there a teacher were you thinking about career and what potentially you wanted to do
1: There's two sides to this. So I always envisioned myself working in fashion or in a magazine, but it's because of the TV and films I consumed. I was obsessed with like Sex in the City, Girlfriends, um, New York based, you know, really high flying fashionable women. And I was like, that's going to be me. Right. And my older brother was really cool and only wore like designer clothes and I was just like when I get to his age I'll be the same and that's my journey but then when I was at school I didn't love I love um I did love school in terms of the educational side I really loved history and English and languages so I studied Spanish um I had some really good teachers one of them was from Tenerife and she was just like this really gorgeous woman and she was just really cool and I just wanted to like her brain all the time and then the other one was this another amazing woman who i still run into now and what was great about her is that she was a dark-skinned black woman with dreadlocks and she was super smart and she showed me that if i wanted to be a teacher and travel around the world and you know be smart and be all of the things that i want to be i can do it
0: mm. and did she take you underneath her wing kind of thing and say, Charlotte? No, she-
1: we got on, but I don't think there was a like, oh, you're black, I'm black kind of thing. It was just like, we just got on. And she she was just cool. She was just like, not like the other teachers. Do you know when you have one of those cool teachers that you could just have a laugh with? She was one of those.
0: <laughs> I hear that. So was anyone at all during the education, it doesn't even have to be within the school. It could also be out, maybe your cousin who was 10 years older than you was anyone like saying Charlotte you should actually consider going into this career path
1: no no one ever pushed me to do anything it was do what you were good at
0: hence University of Nottingham doing Portuguese and Spanish right yeah gotcha so where are we then in this decade because you did say you might break it down to three parts
1: um so where I'm having like I'm being, like, I'm having like this revelation whilst talking. Um, so yeah, so we're in like year eight to year to 11. So I'm like 16. When I get to the age of like 16, I start rebelling a little bit in terms of my friendship group. I had a falling out with some friends. It actually is quite an interesting story. And I think that was a catalyst to my mindset. So we had this guy move schools. He came from a private school. He was a dark skinned black guy. We've never had anyone in our year group like him. He was so cool, so cool. And he went on holiday, I think he went back to Ghana or something to visit his family, came back and we'd organised prom and they had forgot him in the limo. So everyone knew that I had another friendship group because one of my family friends also went to school and I used to hang out with her sometimes. And they were like, oh, Charlotte, can just go to prom with Roxanne. And then Henry can come in the limo. And they decided for me. And I just vividly remember being like, you've spent all these years hating me because I know because I'm black. And this black guy comes along and he's cool. So you like him. But I wasn't the same because I'd grown up with them. I was mixed. And I remember being really, really angry.
0: Do you know what I'm hearing, Charlotte? Yeah. I'm really hearing the fact that you wanted to be quote unquote cool because you've used that word a lot as well throughout. No,
1: it's not that, that because I was cool. It wasn't that.
0: But not to the people you wanted
1: to no, see as cool. No, and it wasn't that because I didn't want their acceptance. I just wanted them to be nice to me and that's different. Okay. And I've, I've been thinking about this a lot and I I didn't care whether they thought I was cool or not, because that's my own thing. I just wanted them to not be mean. I think I've always been that person of like, everyone should just be nice. (laughs) And that's what enraged me. It was like, he's come in and you're all down with him and you you love him. But my girlfriends didn't stick up for me because they're just enamored by this coolness. Um, But yeah, so I broke up with all my friends and then moved to sixth form and made a whole new bunch of friends in the same school, which was quite strange.
0: (laughs) Fair enough, Charlotte. Okay, so we're in sixth form and new group of friends. Things might be a little bit tense, possibly, but you're not going to be here for much longer because you're going to go off to be in uni and do greater and better things, right? Yeah. What I'm not picking up in this decade is what you do now.
1: So, so my thing is, do you remember a website called MySpace? <laughs> so I was so heavily into MySpace. I used to code my page. Every week changed my song. So the internet was like my safe haven and I made friends with people who were also into the internet. And then I was really into photography and like doing like weird photo shoots with my friends and I made friends with lots of because of where I live lots of like boy bands and they were into, like, black eyeliner. I liked black eyeliner. Like, it was just, like, it all made sense at the time.
0: No, I hear that. I hear that. So when you speak, it tends to be heavily revolved around fashion and coolness. And I'm smiling <laughs> here because I'm like, oh, well, that actually makes sense as to what it is you do do.
1: Yeah, it's all, like, do, it's do all consuming. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do agree. And I think this is that's where it started. So my MySpace days and hanging out with these, like boy bands having fun and just going to gigs friday at two o'clock would finish school i'd get the train to camden i'd be there until like 10 p.m come home that was actually one of my favorite times in my life being like 17 18
0: amazing okay let's go into your third chapter which is 20 plus and where we find you sitting today So Charlotte, University of Nottingham studying Portuguese and Spanish, right?
1: Yeah, so I go back to Nottingham quite a lot and do talks for the BME unions that they have. And I went back before lockdown and I saw one of my old professors. He is Brazilian and black and he was the only black person that taught in my whole, I think in the whole language block, to be completely honest. So I walked in the room and he said, Williams, what are you doing here? And I was like, how the hell do you remember me? I literally graduated like nine years ago, eight years ago, whatever that was. How do you remember my name? Split second looking at me. He's like, because you were one of three black kids in the whole year. And to be honest, there's not been that more since. And I was like, oh, OK.
0: Did I make you feel sad?
1: Yeah, it made me feel really sad. And I thought, what can I do? And I was like, I'm fighting on one battle. I can't take up another battle with the national curriculum.
0: Let's talk about this battle you are fighting and how we got here.
1: Yeah, so I think it all stems, if you want to summarise, I think it all stems from I studied languages, Nottingham Uni, very white. Um, It was super middle class and upper middle class. Everyone was from private schools. It was just a real culture shock for me. And then I went to Spain and Portugal for a year. I was in a tiny village in the middle of Spain, just under Madrid. No one was there. So I would go to Madrid every weekend, stay at my friend's house, and I'd go to El Corte Inglés, which is like Selfridges, and I'd go to the makeup counter, and I'd buy a load of makeup, and then I'd go on YouTube and learn how to do my makeup, and then I'd film a video, and that was like my life.
0: And post-graduation, what was that first job? What were you thinking? Like, ooh, okay, this is a career path.
1: So I was doing some freelance work for some family friends at the time on social, And then I decided to come back. I did a couple of internships. I got a really, what I thought at the time was a really shit job at an e-learning company as an assistant, and then kept criticizing the social media and being like, why aren't you doing better? And then one day someone was like, do do you just want to do it yourself? And I was like, yeah. So I took it on (laughs) as an extra role. And then all of a sudden, roll on two years later, I headed their marketing team, like I'm very inquisitive and I ask a lot of questions. So I think I just asked the right questions and took me where I need to go.
0: Yeah, they do say basically one success correlates with asking the right questions. So I'm now officially seeing you head of marketing at this e-learning company. And then I assume you felt you needed to move on.
1: Yeah, then I moved to, um, for Hello Kitty. That was great and was there for two and a bit years and then I was asked to join the War nails team that wasn't a long stint War actually closed pretty much a year to the day that I was there (laughs) um Sharma had launched her new company beauty stack and she was going through a transition so it wasn't quite what I wanted so I decided to go freelance to figure out my life took War on as a freelance client and then seven six Came from that.
0: I hear that. So, why have you specifically helping the Ben community, right, or those who identifies as people of color? I haven't necessarily put two and two together as to why it's important for you.
1: Well, it's just because I've worked as an influencer and on the influencer marketing side for like, better, like the better part of a decade now, and mm. I would be invited as an influencer to things just because. I have the right connections through work mainly and I would always be one of the only black people in the room or the only person of colour in the room. And remember I am mixed, light skin so I'm not representing the whole black community here yeah. and I'd look around be like I could name you 10 people off the top of my head who would be better to be here than me, why am I here? And I'd ask the PRs and they'd always say the same thing. They'd always say, oh, I don't have access. And this word, it just, it makes me laugh just to say it now, but it kept coming up. We don't have access to those type of influencers. And it was like the word access and then those types. And it was like, what does that even mean? So I would, I just was frustrated. And on top of that, I had friends who were influencers who were calling me crying or just being really angry and frustrated to be like, why can't this be better? like I can't just be the only person in the room that looks like me and it's not just people of colour because I have lesbian friends who say the same and plus size friends that say the same there's like so many different things that others people and they're just not seen as mainstream but like I just don't see the world in the same way. I think as a lot of the marketing industry.
0: Yeah. I hear that. So you you fill in that gap and you potentially bring in some of your friends or not even your friends, but your network along to these brands who claim they don't have access.
1: Yeah, because it's stupid. We all have access to the internet.
0: Why seven, six?
1: So seven, six is actually a nod to the 1976 race relations act. I just ah. wanted a name that meant something, but also kind of sounded cool. <laughs>
0: Say so Charlotte, the last thing in the prompt in which you did speak of was Maya Angelou's
1: biography. Biographies. So I've only read four. I think there's six or eight. And she is the most interesting human I've ever come across in my existence. There is nobody like her. I would highly recommend reading her, at least the, f- the first two. So the first one I have on my shelf, Why Does the Cage Bird Sing, is the first one. So it's kind of like this in a sense. She splits her her biographies into age ranges. So that's from when she was brought up um, living with her grandma in the deep south. And then she gets older, she moves to San Francisco. She's just so interesting. And she just is just a showcase of the roundness of black people and black culture and what they can achieve. She has done everything because she wanted to. And if we're given the opportunity, we can all do the same.
0: amazing before we do love you and leave you and ask how we can get involved and help you out what is the one book you would give to others
1: oh what's the one book you would give to others um i don't know the one book It's definitely dependent on the person and what they need. I've recently gifted one of my friends, Elaine Welteroth's autobiography. And that was to do with kind of like career progression and finding your purpose and figuring out how to like take ownership of like the next step. So that one I gave because it was talking about how she did it.
0: And how can we find you on the world wide web and when we do? what would you like us to do?
1: So you can find me personally on Instagram as charlotte76, the letters, not the numbers. And on Twitter, it's The Stylum, which is my old blog name. And then you can find the company as 76 Agency on all platforms. Um, We're currently crowdfunding. So if you would like to donate to that, that would be incredible. We're looking to raise money to just elevate the business. I'm a big believer in equity. So I don't have the ability to nepotize my way through the industry. And I don't have as many connections as the 96% of the white middle, middle, middle class men who are running the ad agency side. So um, this money that we're raising will help us get to where we need to go to really make the business right
0: gotcha So, charlotte it's been an absolute pleasure and guys please do subscribe please do just let us know how you find the show because all feedback is great feedback and we're trying to get better 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 see you another episode bye
1: thank you bye
0: hey guys if you enjoyed today's episode please do share it and if you'd like to be featured on the podcast please do get in touch.